Please remain standing for scripture reading. Scripture reading this morning comes from Exodus 25, verse 1 through 11, and 27, verse 1 and 2. You can find it on page 65 in the Blue Pew Bible in front of you. Exodus 25. Hear now the reading of God's holy and inerrant word. The Lord said to Moses, Speak to the people of Israel that they take for me a contribution. For every man whose heart moves him, you shall receive the contribution for me. And this is the contribution that you shall receive from them. Gold, silver, and bronze, blue and purple and scarlet yarns, and fine twined linen, goat's hair, tanned ram skins, goat skins, acacia wood, oil for the lamps, spices for the anointing oil and for the fragrant incense, onyx stones and stones for setting, for the ephod and for the breastpiece. And let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell in their midst, exactly as I show you concerning the pattern of the tabernacle and of all its furniture, you shall make it. They shall make an ark of acacia wood, Two cubits and a half shall be its length, a cubit and a half its breadth, and a cubit and a half its height. You shall overlay it with pure gold, inside and outside shall you overlay it, and you shall make on it a molding of gold around it. Chapter 27. You shall make the altar of acacia wood, five cubits long and five cubits broad. The altar shall be square and its height shall be three cubits, and you shall make horns for it on its four corners. Its horn shall be of one piece with it, and you shall overlay it with bronze. This is the word of the Lord. Please be seated. Since the Israelites have resided in Egypt for 400 years, they did not really know how to worship God. And at Mount Sinai, God gave Moses the law, where there is clear instructions as to how they are to worship God. And not only that, but how they can live in harmony with one another. Now, as they traveled to the promised land, God commanded Moses to make a tabernacle where he can dwell in, where his people can worship him. It had to, to be a movable place of worship because God's people were journeying throughout the wilderness. You see, the, the word tabernacle means a tent of meeting where the people come to meet the Lord. This morning we'll be covering, to, as we continue our series in Exodus, uh, Chapters 25 through 27, God's made much details in the structure of the tabernacle and all the elements that's in it. And since we're going to cover three chapters, uh, I'm going to just uh, highlight some of the important parts of these three chapters. Let me give you an overview of the tabernacle and also to, as we look at each of the elements. And the tabernacle, all of it, points to Christ. We see it uh, in your... We see here the, 
the tabernacle is 150 feet by 75 feet, which is about half the football field. That's pretty big. It has a seven and a half feet uh, curtain fence around it to set God's holiness apart from the rest of the camp. So we see there's the curtains. They're seven and a half feet. And then there is an entrance here, about 30 feet. There's only one entrance. That also reminds us if we're going to come before God, we have only one entrance into uh, into God's presence through Jesus Christ. And we see that uh, these curtains um, were held up by brass poles. It can be easily dissembled and assembled and, and assembled as the Israelites travel. The tabernacle is situated in the center of the camp. If we take a look at the next slide, the 12 tribes of Israel were stationed around the tabernacle. God wants his people to know that he has come to dwell among them. God, Jehovah, with them wherever they go. God's not only the center of their community physically, but also spiritually. So whenever they travel, God's very orderly. We see tabernacle right in the middle, and the 12 tribes were stationed around it as they uh, traveled throughout the wilderness. We see in John chapter 1, verse 14, it says that the Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. See, that, that verse that says, that speaks about Christ being incarnate as a man to identify with us. The Greek word for dwelled is actually the same words uh, of the tent of meeting or the dwelling. In other words, Jesus came to become a God-man, or in other words, he tabernacled among us. He dwelled among us. When we place our trust in Jesus Christ, he dwells within us. The Bible says that we are temples of God. Jesus called Emmanuel, God with us. He's always with us. In 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 6 to 7, it says, Humble yourself, therefore, under God's mighty hands. Cast all your anxiety on Him, because He cares for you. He's always there for us. He dwells with us. Well, you might say, why is the tabernacle so very important? Matthew is recorded some 130 times. That's, that shows the importance of it. It helps us to understand the pattern of worship, our God that requires us. It is a clear foreshadowing of Christ's coming to provide a permanent redemption for us. So in the first section in chapter uh, 25 of Exodus, if you, if you have your Bibles, if you turn there, there's also a uh, outline of the sermon that you can refer to in your bulletin. God commanded his people two important things. First, he commanded that, that they would bring an offering to the Lord as an act of worship. And secondly, 
They are to build a sanctuary for God, which is the tabernacle. And as you take a look in Exodus chapter 25, verses 1 and 2, it reads, The Lord said to Moses, Tell the Israelites to bring to me an offering. You are to receive the offering for me from each man whose heart prompts him to give. You see, in order to build the tabernacle, a lot of resources are needed. A list of items uh, that were recorded here in verses 3 to 7 includes gold, silver, bronze, yarn, fine linens, animal hair, animal skins, acacia wood, and olive oil. We see that the people responded excitedly in appreciation for the Lord. They gave so generously that they had more than enough. And we see that in Exodus chapter 36, verse 5. Matter of fact, Moses had to kind of tell them, oh, we have enough now. We're good. And as you recall, back in the beginning of Exodus, Exodus chapter 3, verse 21 in 22, you might remember that God prophesied to Moses that when Pharaoh let his people go, that the Egyptians were so eager to send them off, they even gave them gold, silver, and clothing and many precious items. Indeed, God has blessed his people. Now it was an opportunity to give back to the Lord to build his sanctuary the tabernacle. They did not give out an obligation, but they gave with a willing heart, recognizing how much that God has given them. Likewise, may we recognize how God has blessed us, and may we give generously with a willing heart. We're actually in the midst of a building campaign uh, for the Pearland campus. This is also an opportunity to give to God's building. Let us take a look in verses 8 and 9. It says, Then have them make a sanctuary for me, and I will dwell among them. Make the tabernacle and all its furnishing exactly like the pattern I show you. See, God is the architect of his dwelling place, wanting his people to follow some detailed instructions that he's going to give them concerning about the construction of the tabernacle as well as the furnishing. We'll see in the rest of chapter 25, as well as in the next two chapters, Exodus chapter 26 and 27, what these instructions will be. Matter of fact, there's purpose and reasons for every aspect of the tabernacle. God is an orderly God. He wants his people to obey him and to follow his detailed instruction exactly. The tabernacle can be divided into three major sections. The inner courtyard, the holy place, and the holies of holies. I like to describe each of these sections and what it is and why it is important. Let's take a look at that first section, the, the inner courtyard. Uh, so this is the, the front part 
of the tabernacle. As you remember, there's the gate. And once you enter there, there's the altar. And then there's the labor. So that is within the courtyard. Before, later on, I'm going to show you the second part, which is the tabernacle tent uh, that leads into the holy place and holy holies. All right. Um, once a person enters the tabernacle through the gate, the first thing that they see is the brazen altar. We see an altar. They are reminded that they are separated from God because of their sins. They cannot approach a holy God without being cleansed. The Bible says without the shedding of blood, there can be no remission of sin. You see, the wages of sin is death. And in order for us to be redeemed, we either die and to pay that penalty, or we have an unblemished animal sacrifice to die on our behalf. We see here at this altar, the Israelites sacrifice animal to atone for their sins. See, the word altar means a place of slaughter or a place for sacrifice. And according to Exodus chapter 27, 1 to 8, this altar is made of acacia wood. It is four and a half feet high. It is a square with a length and width of seven and a half feet. The altar is overlaid with bronze, and bronze is often a symbol of God's righteousness as well as his judgment in the Bible. We see that there are four horns on the four corners of the altar, which is used to tie down the animal sacrifice. See, the animal sacrifice was a, a temporal fulfillment of temporal forgiveness. You see, in order to receive forgiveness, the offender needs to offer up a sacrifice to God regularly. Jesus, the Messiah that is to come, came to become the perfect sacrifice, to die on the cross to take away our sin once and for all. No other sacrifice we needed because God's wrath has been appeased. Christ came to provide a permanent redemption. Jesus died on the cross to pay the penalty of our sins on our behalf. And if we trust him, we will be saved. And, and if you have not trusted Christ, I invite you today to place your personal faith in him and to be saved. Now, this altar here that we talked about is a foreshadowing of the cross of Christ. Now, the next element in the, in the courtyard is the labor, which is recorded in Exodus 30, chapter, verses 17 to 21. So we see the altar, and then we have the labor here. Now, labor is a wash basin used only by priests in the tabernacle. When they cleanse, where they cleanse their hands as well as the feet in the water. Now, coming into the courtyard, the priest must first offer up a sacrifice for himself at the 
outer before they approach the, uh, the laver, which is located between the altar and the door to the holy place. You see, the, the, the priest himself, he is also a sinner. And he needs to be cleansed. He needs to offer up a sacrifice himself before he could serve in the holy place. God takes sin very seriously. And too often, we take sin lightly. You see, sin does separate us from God. In 1 John 1, 6, it says, If we claim to have fellowship with him, yet walk in darkness, we lie and do not live by the truth. The laver speaks of separation from the world through confession of sin and cleansing by the word. See, although we have trusted Christ and have received forgiveness, we still yield to sin. Therefore, it's necessary for us to confess our sins regularly. And God promised that when we confess our sins, that he will forgive us. In 1 John 1, 9, it says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Now, the second section beyond the inner courtyard is the tabernacle tent, which consists of two chambers. The outer chamber which is the larger of the two chambers, is called the holy place, and the inner chamber is called the holy of holies, the dwelling of God. So we see that this is the entrance into the, the tabernacle tent. The first section here is called the holy place. And as you see, it, it consists of three articles, table of showbread, the lampstand, and the altar of incense. And then we see this uh, another curtain here, just a veil here that separates the, the holy place from the inner part, which is called the holies of holies. This is the dwelling of God. And in there is the art of the covenant here. And the lid that goes on top of the art of the covenant it's called the mercy seat. And we see here are two cherubims or angels on top of the mercy seat. Sometimes this is referred to the throne of God, God's presence in the holies of holies. Okay, so I'm going to talk about this first section first, the holy place. And then I'll talk about the inner chamber, the Holies of Holies, right? The holy place is the front room where priests conduct rituals that honors God. It is 30 feet by 15 feet and is 15 feet high. The entrance into the tabernacle tent is a beautiful veil made out of blue, purple, and scarlet yarn which is hung from five golden 
pillars. The blue color stands for heaven above. It is a symbol of the heavenly character of God. And the purple color represents royalty. It speaks of Jesus who will come to be the Messiah, and he will be the Lord of lords and the King of kings. And the scarlet represents sacrifice. And the coming Messiah will offer himself as a sacrifice to pay the penalty of man's sin. See, the regular worshipers were not permitted to enter into the tabernacle tent. And only the priests who represent man before God receive permission to go inside. Now, once the priests get inside, he will see the table of showbread on the right and the golden lampstand or the menorah on the left and an altar of incense ahead of them. It is located in front of the veil, separating the holy place from the holy of holies. Let's take a little closer look at each of these three furniture in the holy place. We'll start with the table of showbread. Now that is recorded in Exodus 25, verses 23 to 30. The priest places 12 loaves of unleavened bread, which represent the 12 tribes of Israel, to be placed in two piles of six each on the table. And upon this table, the priests gather daily. This pictures the fellowship and communion of God with his people. Each Sabbath, the bread is removed and eaten by the priests inside the holy place and replaced with fresh loaves. The table of showbread reminds us of God's provision for his people. Again, we are reminded that Jesus, who claims to be the bread of life, will provide spiritual food for all who believes in him through the living word and the written word, the Bible. In John chapter 6, verse 51, it says, and Christ says this, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. This table also reminds me of the communion table, where believers in Christ gather together to remember what Christ has done on the cross as we partake the bread and the wine. Now, the second furniture in the holy place is the golden lampstand. And we find uh, that recorded in Exodus chapter 25, verses 31 to 40. This lampstand has a center column with three branches extending outward from each side. At the end of each branch is a flower-shaped cup that holds olive oil and a 
cloth wick. So we see here's a golden lampstand. And there on each side, there's extension arms. At the end of each one of them, there's, there's this uh, a cup that holds olive oil and a wit. And Aaron and his son were to come and make sure that there is adequate oil in there to keep uh, the light shining at all times. We, we see that um, the light, there's, there's no window in the, the tabernacle tent inside here. And the only light source that were present was this lampstand. It says that this uh, lampstand uh, is one talent. It weighs one talent, which is 75 pounds. Now, it was made of pure gold. 75 pounds of gold. Can you imagine how much that costs today? Now, inside the holy place, uh, as you remember, there, there, there is an in window, and so this is the only light source, the lampstand. You see, the lampstand foreshadows the coming Messiah, Jesus Christ, who claims that he is the light of the world. In John chapter 8, verse 12, it says, Whosoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. See, the lampstand also points to the Word of God. In Psalms 119, verse 105, it says, Your Word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. And if we want God to guide us with His light, we need to go to Him and His Word for direction. The lampstand speaks not only of Christ, but also of the church. It reminds me to, in John chapter 15, verse 5, where Jesus said, I am the vine, and you are the branches. If a man remains in, in, remains in me, and I in him, he will bear much fruit. And apart from me, you can do nothing. Jesus commanded his followers also to shine as light on his behalf. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 16, Jesus said, Let your light shine before men, that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. See, the only way that the world will be able to see God is through his followers, we are to imitate Christ so that others will see Christ in us. And the final furniture in the holy place is the altar of incense. Incense is a common biblical figure for prayer. We see in Psalms 141, verse 2, it says, May my prayer be, be set before you like incense. As the priests in the tabernacle offer incense for Israel, 
we know today in heaven, our great high priest, Jesus Christ, he intercedes for us. We're reminded again in John chapter 17, verse 9, it says, and Jesus says this, he says, I pray for them. I'm not praying for the world, but for those you have given me, for they are yours. We can find comfort that Jesus is interceding for us, and he's not only interceding for us, but he's listening to our prayers. So here in the holy place, the priests are enjoying a wonderful time of communing with God. In summary, in the holy place, the table speaks of fellowship. The lamb stand represent light for service. And the altar of incense represents worship as, as they pray to the Lord. Now, we like to move into the second chamber or the inner chamber, which is the holies of holies, which consists of the veil, the art of the covenant, and the mercy seat. Now, all three of these things intertwine together. So, we're going to go into the inside here. Here's this veil, and inside are the covenant and the mercy seat. In the holies of holy dwells the Lord. The veil separates God from the rest of his people because God being holy and his people being sinful, they are separated. And the veil is one of the most beautiful objects of the tabernacle. It's woven from from fine linen and uh, it has the blue purple, and scarlet yarn, as we have seen earlier. And on it are cherubims, or angelic angelic beings, who protect the throne of God. Now, once a year, on the Day of Atonement, the high priest offers up a special sacrifice on behalf of the nation of Israel for all the sins that have not been forgiven. You see, when the people... To, Sin, they need to offer up a sacrifice to cover that particular sin. But there might be sins that they did not offer up to the Lord. So once a year, they, they have this day of atonement where the high priest offer up a special sacrifice to cover all the sins that were not covered for that single year. So the high priest would uh, part the veil and enters the Holy Holies with blood from the special sacrifice. And what he does is he sprinkles on the mercy seat. So there'll be a layer of blood on the mercy seat, which is really the lid or the cover of the Art of the Covenant. Now, inside the Art of the Covenant is the law. See, when God looks down from heaven and look at the Art of the Covenant, he sees the law. And he also recognized that his people has broken the law. Therefore, his people deserve to die. 
And when the high priest sprinkled the blood over the mercy seat, it covers over the broken law underneath. You see, the word atonement means cover over. So, we see inside the Art of Covenant, there is the law. So, when God looks down, he sees law and, and, and realizes that his people has broken the law. So, the high priest comes through and sprinkles the blood, and it becomes a layer of blood on top. And what happens? That blood cover over the broken law. So when God looks down, he will see the blood, and the blood covers over this broken law and recognize that there's payment for the penalty of sin, and God forgives his people for that year. It was only a temporary solution. It needs to be repeated year after year. But the good news is they look for the coming Messiah who will come to become that perfect sacrifice that will take away the penalty of sin forever. After Jesus died on the cross to pay the penalty of sin, the four-inch veil that separates God from man was torn from top to bottom, showing that man can now have direct access to God when they place their trust in Jesus Christ. We are made worthy to stand before God as God accredited us with Jesus' righteousness. See, the tabernacle foreshadowed Jesus fulfilling the sacrificial system and providing us with permanent redemption in Christ. So this is the beautiful things. You might wonder, you know, when Jesus died on the cross, one of the, one of the unique things that happened was the veil was torn from top to bottom. That veil is talking about this veil. You see? What's happening is because God's a holy God and man is sinful, they cannot have access to God. They, they are separated. And when Jesus died on the cross to pay the penalty for our sins, his shed blood covers over our broken sin once and for all. And this veil, which is four inches thick, that's a pretty thick veil, was torn in half. And, and, and it says from top to bottom. This shows it only can be done by God. Now we have no more separation because the payment has been paid by the Lord once and for all permanently. We have direct access to God. In conclusion, we see that the tabernacle is to be built as a dwelling for our holy God. Before man can have relationship with the Lord, he needs to offer up a sacrifice to pay the penalty of his sin. And that was taking place at the altar. We also see that the priests also need to offer up a sacrifice because they also are sinners before he can go to the labor to cleanse himself, before 
he could have fellowship and serve the Lord in the holy place. The high priest, once a year, in the Day of Atonement, goes into the Holy Holies to spend some intimate time in the presence of God. And as he sprinkles the blood on the mercy seat, which covers the broken law, and as the results, the people's sins are forgiven for that one year. And the people look forward to the coming Messiah who will come to become that perfect sacrifice where he will become our permanent redemption once and for all. Let us pray. Dear Lord, we thank you for taking the initiative to pay the penalty of our sins. We know that we cannot save ourselves and that death is required. And you became that perfect sacrifice on our behalf, and we thank you, Lord. And not only did you die, but that you rose again, showing that you have conquered death. And we thank you for Christ giving us permanent redemption. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.